0: chapter nine of the mystery of the boule cabinet by burton egbert stevenson this librivox recording is in the public domain guesses at the riddle the walk up town did me good the rain had ceased and the air felt clean and fresh as though it had been washed i took deep breaths of it and the feeling of fatigue and depression which had weighed upon me gradually vanished i was in no hurry Went out of my way a little, indeed, to walk out into Madison Square and look back at the towering mass of the Flatiron Building, creamy and delicate, as carved ivory under the rays of the moon. And it was long past midnight when I finally turned in at the Marathon. Higgins the janitor was just closing the outer doors, and he joined me in the elevator a moment later. "'There's a gentleman waiting to see you, sir,' he said, as the car started upward. Mr. Godfrey, sir, he came in about ten minutes ago. He said you were expecting him, so I let him into your rooms. That was right, I said, and reflected again upon Godfrey's exhaustless energy. I found him lolling in an easy chair, and he looked up with a smile at my entrance. Higgins said you hadn't come in yet, he explained, so I thought I'd wait a few minutes on the off chance that you mightn't be too tired to talk if you are say so and i'll be moving along i'm not too tired i said hanging up my coat i feel a good deal better than i did an hour ago i saw that you were about all in how do you keep it up godfrey i asked sitting down opposite him you don't seem tired at all i am tired though he said a little but i've got a fool brain that won't let my body go to sleep so long as there is work to be done then as soon as everything is finished the brain lets go and the body sleeps like a log now i knew i couldn't go to sleep properly tonight until i heard the very interesting theory you are going to confide to me besides i have a thing or two to tell you go ahead i said we had a cable from our paris office just before i left it seems that monsieur theophilio d'orl plays the fiddle in the orchestra of the Cafe de paris he played as usual tonight so that it is manifestly impossible that he should be also lying in the New York morgue. Moreover, none of his friends, so far as he knows, is in America. No doubt he may be able to identify the photograph of the dead man, and we've already started one on the way, but we can't hear from it for six or eight days. But my guess was right. The fellow's name isn't D'Oriel. You say you have a photograph? yes i had some taken of the body this afternoon here's one of them keep it you may have a use for it i took the card and as i gazed at the face depicted upon it i realized that the distorted countenance i had seen in the afternoon had given me no idea of the man's appearance now the eyes were closed and the features composed and peaceful but even death failed to give them any dignity it was a weak and dissipated face the face of a hanger-on of cafés, as Parks had said, or of a loiterer along the boulevards, of a man without ambition and capable of any depth of meanness and deceit. At least, that is how I read it. He's evidently low class, said Godfrey, watching me. One of those parasites, without work and without income, so common in Paris, shop girls and ladies' maids have a weakness for them. I think you are right, I agreed but at the same time if he was of that type i don't see what business he could have had with philip van tyne neither do i but there are a lot of other things i don't see either we're all in the dark lester have you thought of that absolutely in the dark yes i have thought of it i said slowly no doubt we can establish this fellow's identity in time sooner than we think perhaps for most of the morning papers will run his picture and if he is known here in new york at all it will be recognized by someone when we find out who he is we can probably guess at the nature of his business with vantine we can find out who the woman was who called to see vantine tonight that is just a case of grilling rogers then we can run her down and get her secret out of her we can find why rogers is trying to shield her all that is comparatively simple but when we have done it all when we have all these facts in hand, I'm afraid we shall find that they are utterly unimportant. Unimportant, I echoed, but surely. Unimportant because we don't want to know these things. What we want to know is how Philip Van Tyn and this unknown Frenchman were killed, and that is just the one thing which I am convinced neither the man nor the woman nor Rogers nor anybody else we have come across in this case can tell us there's a personality behind all this that we haven't even suspected yet and which i'm free to confess i don't know how to get at it puzzles me it rather frightens me it's like a threatening shadow which one can't get hold of there was a moment's silence then i decided that time had come for me to speak godfrey i said what i'm about to tell you is told in confidence and must be held in confidence until i give you permission to use it do you agree go on he said his eyes on my face well i believe i know how these two men were killed listen and i told him in detail the story of the boule cabinet i repeated vantine's theory of its first ownership i named the price which he was ready to pay for it i described the difference between an original and a counterpart and dwelt upon vantine's assertion that this was an original of unique and unquestionable artistry long before i had finished godfrey was out of his chair and pacing up and down the room his face flushed his eyes glowing beautiful he murmured from time to time immense what a case it will make lester he cried stopping before my chair and beaming down upon me as i finished the story unique too that's the beauty of it as unique as its adorable boule cabinet then you see it too i questioned a little disappointed that my theory should seem so evident see it and he dropped into his chair again a man would be blind not to see it but all the same lester i give you credit for putting the facts together so many of us grady for instance aren't able to do that or to see which facts are essential and which are negligible now the fact that Vantine had accidentally come into possession of a bull cabinet would probably seem negligible to Grady, whereas it is one of the big essential facts in this whole case, and it was you who saw it." "'You saw it, too,' I pointed out, as soon as I mentioned it. "'Yes, but you mentioned it in a way which made its importance manifest. I couldn't help seeing it, and I believe that we have both arrived at practically the same conclusions. Here they are.' and he checked them off on his fingers. The cabinet contains a secret drawer. That is inevitable, if it really belonged to Madame de Montespan. Any cabinet made for her would be certain to have a secret drawer. She would require it just as she would require lace on her underwear or jeweled buttons on her gloves. That drawer, since it was, perhaps, to contain such priceless documents as the love letters of a king, or even more so, if the love letters were from another man, must be adequately guarded, and therefore a mechanism was devised to stab the person attempting to open it and inject into the wound a poison so powerful as to cause instant death. Am I right so far? Wonderfully right, I nodded. I had not put it so clearly even to myself. Go ahead. We come to the conclusion, then, continued Godfrey, that the business of this unknown Frenchman with fantine in some way concerned this cabinet fantine himself thought so i broke in he told me afterwards that it was because he thought so he consented to see him good that will seem to indicate that we are on the right track the frenchman's business then had something to do with this cabinet and with this secret drawer left to himself he discovered the cabinet in the room adjoining the anteroom and attempted to open the drawer and was killed "'Yes, I agreed. And now how about Vantine?' Vantine's death isn't so simply explained. Presumably, the unknown woman also called on business relating to the cabinet. She also wanted to open the secret drawer in order to secure its contents. That seems fairly certain from her connection with the first caller. "'You still think it was her photograph he carried in his watch?' "'I'm sure of it. But how did it happen that it was Vantine who was killed?' Did the woman, warned by the fate of the man, deliberately set Vantine to open the drawer in order that she might run no risk, or was she also ignorant of the mechanism? Above all, did she succeed in getting away with the contents of the drawer? What was the contents of the drawer, I demanded? Ah, if we only knew. Perhaps the woman had nothing to do with it. Vantine himself told me that he was going to make a careful examination of the cabinet. No doubt. That is exactly what he was doing when the woman's arrival interrupted him. He might have let her out of the house himself, and then, returning to the cabinet, stumbled upon the secret drawer after she had gone. Yes, that is quite possible, too. At any rate, you agree with me that both men were killed in some such way as I have described? Absolutely. I think there can be no doubt of it. There are objections, and rather weighty ones. The theory explains the two deaths it explains the similarity of the wounds it explains how both should be on the right hand just above the knuckles it explains why both bodies were found in the same place since both men started to summon help but in the first place if the frenchman got the drawer open who closed it perhaps it closed itself when he let go of it and closed again after vantine opened it yes it would take a very clever mechanism to do that but at least it's possible. Oh yes, it's possible, and we must remember that the poisoners of those days were very ingenious. That was the heyday of Lavasse, of Marquis de Villers, of Excel, and heaven knows how many other experts who followed Catherine de Medici to France. So that's all quite possible. But there is one thing that isn't possible, and that is that a poison which, if it is administered as we think it is, must be a liquid could remain in that cabinet fresh and ready for use for more than three hundred years it would have dried up centuries ago nor would the mechanism stay in order so long it must be both complicated and delicate therefore it would have to be oiled and overhauled from time to time if it is worked by a spring and i don't see how else it can be worked the spring would have to be renewed and wound up well i asked as he paused well, it is evident that the drawer contained something more recent than the love letters of Louis XIV. It must have been put in working order quite recently, but by whom and for what purpose? That is the mystery we have to solve, and it's a mighty pretty one. And here's another objection," he added, "that Frenchman knew about the secret drawer because, according to our theory, he opened it and got killed. Why didn't he also know about the poison? That was an objection, truly and the more I thought of it, the more serious it seemed. It may be, said Godfrey at last, that Diorrel was going it alone, that he had broken with the gang. The gang? Of course there's a gang. This thing has taken careful planning and concerted effort, and the leader of the gang is a genius. I wonder if you understand how great a genius. Think, he knows the secret of the drawer of Madame de Montespan's cabinet, but above all... He knows the secret of the poison, the poison of the Medici. Do you know what that means, Lester? What does it mean, I asked, for Godfrey was getting ahead of me. It means he's a great criminal, a really great criminal, one of the elect from whom crime has no secrets. Observe. He alone knows the secret of the poison. One of his men breaks away from him and pays for his mutiny with his life. He is the brain. The others are merely the instruments. Then you don't believe it was by accident that the cabinet was sent to Vantine? By accident? Not for an instant. It was part of a plot, and a splendid plot. Can you explain that to me, too? I queried a little ironically, for I confess it seemed to me that Godfrey was permitting his imagination to run away with him. He smiled good-naturedly at my tone. Of course, this is all mere romancing, he admitted. I am the first to acknowledge that. I was merely following out our theory to what seemed its logical conclusion. But perhaps we are on the wrong track altogether. Perhaps Orel, or whatever his name is, just blundered in, like a moth, into a candle flame. As for the plot, well, I can only guess at it. But suppose you and I had pulled off some big robbery. He stopped suddenly, and his face went white and then red. What is it, Godfrey? I cried, for his look frightened me. He lay back in his chair, his hands pressed over his eyes. I could see how they were trembling, how his old body was trembling. Wait, he said hoarsely, wait. Then he sat upright, his face tense with anxiety. Lester, he cried, his voice shrill with fear. The cabinet, it isn't guarded. Yes, it is, I said. At least I thought of that. And I told him of the precautions I had taken to keep it safe. He heard me out with a sigh of relief. That's better, he said parks wouldn't stand much show, I'm afraid, if worse came to worst. But I think the cabinet is safe for tonight. And before another night, Lester, we will have a look for ourselves. A look? Yes, for the secret drawer. I stared at him, fascinated, shrinking. And we shall find it, he added. D'Arraille and vantine found it, I muttered thickly. Well, and they are both dead. It won't kill us. We will go about it armored, Lester that poisoned fang may strike. Don't, I cried, and cowered back into my chair. I can't do it, Godfrey. God knows I'm no coward, but not that. You shall watch me do it, he said. That would be even worse. But I'll be ready, Lester. There will be no danger. Come, man. Why, it's the chance of a lifetime to rifle the secret drawer of Madame de Montespan. Yes, he added, his eyes glowing, and to match ourselves against the greatest criminal of modern times his shrill laugh told how excited he was and do you know what we shall find in that drawer lester but no it is only a guess the wildest sort of a guess but if it is right if it is right he sprang from his chair biting his lips his whole frame quivering but he was calmer in a moment anyway you will help me lester you will come there was a wizardry in his manner not to be resisted besides to rifle the secret drawer of madame de montespan to match oneself against the greatest criminal of modern times what an adventure yes i answered with a quick intaking of the breath i'll come he clapped me on the shoulder his face beaming i knew you would to-morrow night then i'll call for you here at seven o'clock we'll have dinner together and then hey for the great secret agreed agreed i said he caught up coat and hat and started for the door there are things to do, he said. That armor to prepare, the plan of campaign to consider, you know. Good night, then, till this evening. The door closed behind him, and his footsteps died away down the hall. I looked at my watch. It was nearly two o'clock. Dizzily I went to bed, but my sleep was broken by a fearful dream, a dream of a serpent with blazing eyes and dripping fangs poised to strike. End of chapter 9